This is the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with me, Dr. Fuck, and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. So come on and let's go and enjoy another episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast! All right, it's time for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. I am Dr. Fuck, as always, and also, as always, I have... Shit, I already opened my beer, but yeah! Yeah, Ian Wadley opened his last beer. Well, in his defense, he has more beer, but they're bottles. Yeah, you can't hear it. Yeah, it doesn't have the same effect, right? (laughs) No, it tastes better, but it doesn't sound as good on radio. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So anyway, we are the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Uh, This week, we're going to review the Beatles. Uh, Our White Album was very popular, so figure let's uh, do another one. Uh, Yes, I was was very happy with the... the response that I didn't know if the the metal fans were going to be a little bit close-minded to that, but a lot of people seem to love that. Yeah, and the people that hate it, fuck them, right? <laughs> there you go. So, uh, all right. So, what's going on, Ian? All right. Well, hey, I uh, got some iTunes news. I know if you listened to the last episode, there seemed to be a problem, at least in the states, with seeing the rainbow uh, episode. Now, if you're like me, I subscribe to it. And it went to in my podcast folder, but you couldn't see it on um, on the regular iTunes feed. It's a shame because that's a great episode. So if you listen to iTunes and you're missing that one, get your ass over to the Podbean and check it out that way because you don't want to miss that one. It's a but great the, al- it's a great album too. By the way, somebody took it upon themselves to put up a poll saying, "All right, Ralph hated Suicide, and Ian hated uh, Rainbow. So what?" album do you all like more and suicidal one over rainbow i saw that man what a bunch of jackasses <laughs> i mean you really fucking dented my ego you guys <laughs> well yeah to tell you the truth i'm surprised because there was a lot of response when we first announced the suicidal episode there's a lot of people who said they never heard it so i thought rainbow was going to win by default and and the Rainbow album is kind of, it has its own cult following, but it also has a lot of haters. But I was surprised to see some love out there for uh, our rebellion. I was happy about that. I got to tell you, I got, let me read it. I'm going to read you something I got. All right, you know, uh, our, our listener, Jess Tilly, he sent, yes. this, he sent me this message. I want to re- read it to you. Hey, one of the rare times I've disagreed with you. I really dig the Art of Rebellion. First heard this album as a sophomore in high school. Asleep at the Wheel was the video I saw on MTV, and I just liked it. Wasn't a big suicidal fan, but after hearing that album, I went back and checked out everything else that they made. Plus, 92 was a special year for me. Lots of great memories. So this album is special to me for many reasons. Said it before, and I'll say it again. Yourself and Ian have the best fucking podcast. Luckily for him, he ended the fucking message like that. Because I was about <laughs> to tell him to fuck off. I was Aww. about to say, just never listen to this fucking show again. And by the way, Suicidal Tendencies, try it. <laughs> oh, man. No, no, but come on. He said we had the best fucking podcast, and I'm like, oh, I love this guy. <laughs> hey, it's just a difference of opinion. Yeah, but but it's, but it's but I got an ego. Need I remind you I'm a lead singer, not in one band, but two. I'm double. I have double LSD. (laughs) Uh, I'm just messing, Jess. Thank you, man. 
Thank you for the message, and uh, I'm glad that you disagree with you. Fuck you. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, good news is we have another iTunes review this week. I want to say one more thing. Jeff Tilly bought uh, Melting Your Skull vinyl, so I love you, buddy. I didn't mean that fuck you part. I was just like, <laughs> I was talking to my ego. I'm so pissed off that, I, that you disagree with me. It hurts me that somebody as cool as you disagrees with me. All right, what's up with iTunes? All right, we have another five-star review. I hope they're lathering my ass because I need it. <laughs> I'm sure they will. And this is from Filth Pig Killing Machine 96, who I have since learned is Hunter on our uh, Facebook page. Okay. I believe it's Gutenberg or Steve Gutenberg or some shit like that. But Hunter, you know who you are. We know who you are. But the uh, the review is entitled "Amazing Album Discussion." And it says, and I quote, The Rock and Metal Combat Podcast is the, capitalized, place for the greatest rock slash metal album discussions. Every week I'm always interested in what album Routh and Wadzilla talk about. I am very thankful that they have reviewed three albums by my all-time, or my favorite band of all time, ACDC. And then in parentheses, even if Ian wasn't very kind to Malcolm Young in the Rock or Bust review, but it's okay, he probably forgot about it. No, I didn't forget about it, and it, it it was me joking. I have nothing but love and respect for Malcolm Young, by the way, but I, I just have a warped sense of humor, and I was trying to make light of a situation and uh, and not be so sad, but I love Malcolm Young, and I think it's very sad what happened to him. But anyway, and I'm also very happy they've received four of the greatest, or they've reviewed four of the greatest albums by Judas Priest, especially the underrated classic Point of Entry. And aside from that, They've gone all over the place from Ramones, Dio, Beatles, Blue Murder, and more Kiss reviews than you could imagine. I especially love it whenever they review albums that one of them loves and the other one hates. Going from Headless Cross, Repentless, and the Masterpiece down to Earth. Also, the Facebook page is incredible. The only reason I still have a Facebook account, and it's a madhouse over there. If you love this podcast, do yourself a favor and go on their Facebook page. It's well worth your time. Wait, wait a second. Did he just call Down to Earth a masterpiece? Mm-hmm. Huh. Me and Jess begged to differ. Yeah. No, you liked it. <laughs> uh, uh, Jess bought a vinyl, bro. He pre-ordered a vinyl, so therefore... And you did, too. You bought a vinyl, too. I did. Fucking hunter. Bastard. <laughs> How dare you? And besides, you love Down to Earth. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm the one who did it. I'm the one that's insulted. But I, I'm not insulted. Why is it that the people that don't like Down to Earth buy my vinyl? <laughs> no, he does like Down to Earth. No, I'm talking about Jess and you. Oh. Hey, Hunter didn't buy a vinyl, did he? Well, if he did, then I'm on Hunter's side. Fuck both of <laughs> you. If Hunter bought a vinyl, fuck you and Jess. But if he didn't, I, I'm with you two. If he didn't, fuck Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, somebody's getting laid. <laughs> but that is our iTunes review of the week, and thank you so much, Hunter. Yeah, thank you, Hunter. Appreciate it. I got, I, got, I got news. Okay, you want to start off? Yeah, I want to talk about the Thrasher Die vinyl. Um, we've run into a snag, people, and I really want to apologize to everybody, but, you know, we, we, we want to give you quality, and... We wanted to give everybody a CD, 
an extra CD for uh, for the pre-orders, and um, this the CD was done, but the artwork wasn't, and the artwork is finally done. So we're gonna start pressing it very soon. I don't know how soon because I'm not the guy in charge of it, but I did write the guy today, asking him what was going on. He explained to me that you know the artwork took a while, but now it's done. So he's gonna start pressing it. So it should be we should have it like like two weeks the most maybe even less and the second we get those cds we will send out those vinyls and now um this the, the cd's awesome dude and i'm telling you man pre-order now because uh this is limited edition and once they're gone they're gone forever so uh it's available at miamimetalmerchant.com and I also have exciting Thrasher Die news that I uh, was not aware of for the longest time. Um, my merch store at the Thrasher Die store uh, page has been broken for a while. And I haven't known this because I am such a slacker. I haven't been checking my messages on the Thrasher Die page because of my fucking crazy schedule. And I found, I'm not lying to you, like... At least 40 messages of people saying, I'm trying to buy a shirt. What's wrong? I'm trying to buy a patch. I'm trying to buy a CD. I'm trying to buy the Merciful Fate vinyl. Why can't I do this? It's not working. And I finally caught wind of this now. And not, I'm not the guy that set up my merch shop. So I got a hold of him. And, uh, and I also went through inventory. By the way, you people out there that love Thrasher Die and you want a shirt, my advice is to get it now because I already sold it. I did inventory today. And I sold out of the original logo, uh, large and small are gone. The mediums are gone for the Fatal Fury shirt. Uh, the extra, the double XL and the, the I believe the XL, or I, I have, may have one left for Cuban Steel. So if you want to get a shirt, go order now, but you're going to notice some sizes are gone because they're sold out. Now I am in the process of making new shirts. And I found an amazing guy because a, a really killer band down here called Corodia just released a shirt that I was like, whoa, this shit's awesome because it has all these different colors. And that's the main reason there's never been a Poser Holocaust shirt or, you know, uh, the recent album shirt. Well, I got a hold of the guy that made the Corodia shirt. And he said, yeah, no problem. I sent them the artwork. And, no problem. I can do it. So th they're gonna, those shirts will be done soon. The only problem is I need to come up what to put on the back because I don't like selling shirts unless there's something in the back, you know? I agree. Yeah, don't you like something like artwork in the back or something, you know? You gotta have something, man. Yeah, so I I I told the guy hold hold on tight because I'm gonna do I'm actually gonna press both Poser Holocaust and Melting Your Skull both at the same time because Melting Your Skull has been selling like fucking crazy. And all the money that I make from all that shit goes back into the band. So I do have enough money to press two shirts. But every shirt that's in the merch store as now as uh, the Cuban Steel, which is a, a mock of the British Steel shirt, my Fatal Fury shirt, and the original Green Logo shirt will never be pressed again. Mark my words, they'll never, ever, you'll never be able to get these shirts again. So my advice is to go to the Thrash and I merch store and uh, order now, man, because it's, once they're gone, they're gone forever. And these shirts for the album covers are going to be the new shirts we're getting for sale. So that's my Thrash and I news. Well, how about for the back of those shirts?
Maybe we could go in together and we could put Eddie and the Boozers on the back. And it could be a Thrasher diet and Eddie and the Boozers. So sure. what's so what's in the news this week? Okay, that's what I thought. All right, well, uh, since you were bringing up some of the, the, the woes you were having there with that stuff, it reminded me of something I forgot to talk about. Uh, our Amazon link is dead and gone. And it ain't coming back thanks to uh, the asshole governor here in Louisiana that just left office. Nobody in Louisiana can have this. And I have to be real specific with this for tax purposes and shit like that. So I can't fudge the address and shit like that because my bank accounts in Louisiana, all this shit. But anyway, uh, we're trying to think of a, of a different avenue to raise revenue. Uh, now, there there is a thing on Podbean where I could just set up for donations, but I've always been hesitant about that because what we both loved about the uh, the Amazon link is you were getting something you already wanted anyway. you know. And I got a little kickback to offset the cost of the show, but I can't do that anymore. But also, we both agree that it's kind of lame if you just give us money and we don't give you something. So we're going to think about different things we could offer, but we'd also like you to come onto the Facebook page, say something that you would be perhaps interested in. So everybody has a say and an input. We can work something out uh, if possible. If not, you know, we don't. But I'd like to do something, but I want to make sure that, you know, you, the listener, gets, you know, something back. Besides, you know, listening to the best podcast in the world. Uh, we'd like to offer you a little bit of something. So get active on the Facebook after you hear this episode and, and give us some ideas of, of what you, the listener, would enjoy. And we'll see if we can work something out. Yeah. All right. First story. Uh, Udo Dirk Schneider, who's currently on a tour that he's billing as the last time he'll ever play the Accept songs which I think is just like a cheesy way to say, hey, come see me. But what he said now, he said the only way that he'll start playing Accept songs again is if Accept breaks up and stops touring. Then he'll he'll play those songs again. Oh, wow. I I, I thought that was kind of lame. But for some of those, I mean, if you're an Accept fan out there, maybe you know, maybe you don't know. uh, What happened right before they got Mark Trinillo... They tried to do another reunion again with Udo. And Udo was like, he was game for it, but he had one stipulation. That he that he's given the name Accept. So that if it didn't work out and they got into a fight again, he would have ownership of the name and he could tour as Accept. Wow. And that's what makes me think, it's like, okay, well, if that's what you really wanted, then bitch, you would never tour as Udo again because Accept is a more marketable name. Yep. You know, so, I mean, and you see all these, like, what's going on with Rat and all these battles for the name and L.A. Guns, all this shit. It's because if you see in your paper, hey, Udo's coming, yeah, sure, some people are going to be like, oh, yeah. But if you put accept, you're going to get ten more people there, you know? I mean, it's it's sad, but it's true. I mean, there's something in the fucking name, you know? Uh, That's why I wouldn't give up... uh... Thrasher Die. I I know my members wanted the 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 name of the band, and I also heard rumblings they were gonna get the singer of Eddie and the Boozers. Oh and, no! And, and no, not that can't happen. No. I would never do that to another band. <laughs> I look if Udo doesn't come back to accept, I'll still be happy because I really do love Mark Fronting accept. But boy, can you imagine if Udo came back? 
and stopped with this fucking war, man. It's like getting, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, is it money or? I oh, mean, of course it's money. But 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 Udo should be like, you know what, dude? You started this shit with Wolf, like you know. And who who else is in the band? Pete Bates, he's still in the band, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, you three divvy it up and just you know give a little less to the newer guys. You know, I mean, hey, you're giving a little less to them now anyway. And if you right. get you get Udo, unfortunately, in the planet we live in, you're gonna get more asses in the seats, more asses in the venue if you get Udo front in the band, unfortunately. But either way, I, I I support except with or without Udo. But I would love to see Udo come back, you know? Right. Alrighty, well here's something that's gonna be in your neck of the woods, but I doubt sincerely you're gonna wanna go. Why do you uh, always bands I don't like in the news? And there's well, lack of striper. <laughs> that's that's me and the underlords doing. But uh, as far as this one, no, it's just something. I not that you would hate, but in a way you would hate. So hear me out. Uh, Carl Palmer from Emerson Lake and Palmer. I, would I, did, that. I, I, I did not know this, but he is touring with a band that's called ELP's Legacy. Because I think there was a big blow up the last time ELP broke up with Greg Lake. But now Carl Palmer has his own band where he goes out and plays the music of Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. But they are doing a special show that's uh, a complete tribute to um, to Keith Emerson. And it's going to be entitled, uh, you know, Pictures of Keith. You know, it's about like, you know, like a play on the pictures of at an Expedition album they had. Um, and there's only going to be one that's a total tribute to Keith. That's going to be in Miami on June 24th. But here's the thing. While they're playing this music, there's going to be a dance troupe on stage, stage doing an interpretive dance to Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Wow. Well, you see, the thing is, like I said, when he passed away, I wasn't really a, a fan. But then I heard that one song that I really loved. Um, but who knows? Hey, I might go. What the hell? What, when is it? June 24th. Uh, no, You know what? Thrasher Guy is playing a show that night. Ah. Yeah, it's our. It's right when we come back from Europe. We're playing a show a couple days afterwards. Ah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. And, and oddly enough, we're gonna have a dance crew up on Dan uh, interpreting our songs as well. <laughs> well, I think that would be hotter dancers than what no. you're gonna see dancing in Tarkus. No, I'm sorry, but our, our dancers are all beer belly guys, shirtless, by the way. Oh well, there you go. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, it's probably still gonna be hotter. Um. So, if you're interested in seeing, still hearing their music live, look, uh, look for dates. They're all across the U.S. That's Carl, Palm, uh, Carl Palmer's ELP Legacy. And uh, if you can make the tribute show, that's in Miami on June 24th. And there are supposed to be special guests. No word yet if Greg Lake will appear. Well, well I, I, and also, we're also doing a tribute to ELP, too. But it's Emerson, Lake, and Powell. Oh, there you go. Touch and go, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, now here's one. Oh, now this is about a band we both fucking despise. But I think the story brings up an interesting point uh, that we could have some good discussion on. I don't hate Striper. <laughs> well, that makes one of us. Let's talk about, uh, have you seen the drama going on with the Disturbed show in, uh, in Texas? Why the fuck are we talking about this band? What yeah. happened? Go ahead. Okay, so the other week at a Disturbed show, uh, Disturbed played their set, came out for an encore, 
and lead singer Dave Draymond just lost his shit on a lady who was texting on her phone. And he oh, uh, get over yourself. So he he's like, "Are we that boring?" And and just went off on a huge tirade and 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 belittled this lady like crazy. And you know, it, it was all over blabbermouth and even made like local news in in, in uh, Texas and the the lady got really pissed because what was happening is there was a bad storm and her daughter was home alone. Wow. And she, and she was texting her daughter. And now keep in mind, this this lady was not a Disturbed fan, but her husband was a huge Disturbed fan. Like they, He even sent a picture to Disturbed showing he wore like a Disturbed shirt from 15 years ago. And he's like, way to be a dick. You just lost, you know, a loyal fucking fan. Good. And... Uh, you've seen this more than once happen in concerts where people, uh, you, know, you know, performers really freak out about the phone situation. I saw I saw Nikki Six lose his shit in Miami over that right. shit. Yeah. Oh, that's that was the show you went to, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember that, and I, I know there's been some others. And uh, you know, I want to ask you as a performer, uh, you know, you know, would you ever? berate your audience for, for being on their phone. No, and, and there has been cases where I've seen people take pictures of me on their phone, and I grab their phone and take pictures of them and give it back. Nice. Yeah, I mean, or I take a picture. I, I, there was a case where I actually kneeled down and took a picture with the person that owned the phone. You know, it's like, these are people that are there to see you. I don't give a fuck if they're filming or they're whatever. These are people that are up front watching you play. Therefore, you have you have to respect the fuck out of them. Whether they're they're texting or picking their ass, you have to fucking respect your audience. You're a fucking cocksucker, and you don't deserve any fans for belittling men. On top of that, a fucking female. You don't belitter a female outside of the bedroom. What's wrong with that guy? Well, you know, I will say, I I find it, no pun intended, disturbing when I go to a show and I see half the crowd just on their phone. Yeah, but you see, there's a difference. You're there to watch a band. They're not there to watch you. It, it, it kind of just boggled my ah, mind. Ah, just ignore them. It, it, see, that's something you can overlook, though, but you can't overlook some idiot next to you screaming out fucking Freebird, you know what I mean? Yeah, you're right about that. I, I mean, which one would you rather have, you know? I hear you. So, yeah, and unfortunately, I hear them. You know, I, I like to go and listen to a band perform. I just can't stand it. And why is it every time a guy is singing a song, it has to be like the most tone-deaf motherfucker <laughs> with with lungs, with lung power of Rob Offert. They can <laughs> scream their ass off, but in a tone-deaf way, totally drowning out. That happened to me when I saw Zach Wilde. And the last time I saw Zach Wild was an acoustic thing, which was even worse. Because I don't even have drums or guitars to drown this asshole out, you know? <laughs> oh, God, don't get me started. All right, well, now, you know what? I'm glad you brought up this stupid Disturbed band, because this was a good topic to talk about. Well, thank you. All right, uh, well, speaking of the great Zach Wild, have you heard his new song? And I bet you did, because I saw you posted it today. Oh, no, no, I didn't. I just saw a video. I put it up without hearing it. Here, here's what I think of you thinking I didn't hear it. Listen. Oh, there you go. <laughs> All right, well, what did you think of this song? I did fucking loved it. Did you watch the video, though, the, the video itself? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's just with the tour dates and. No, no, no. He made a video. Oh, I must have clicked on the wrong. The one I had just, excuse me, showed him, and then it was like all the tour dates. No, no, no. He made a video for uh, I forgot the name of the song. Uh, Sleeping Dogs. Sleeping Dogs. Oh my God, that video is freaky. Number one, it's cool because he's wearing a little derby that he did back in the Book of Shadows days. Oh, nice. But there's a lot of voodoo and black magic shit going on with all these fucking witches and shit doing this real spell, which is kind I don't know, it's a little offsetting to me, to tell you the truth. But I guess, you know, hey, man, you're filming a video and you want to come up with some ideas, you know. It, you know, he's out in the woods playing this shit or in the swamp, whatever. But then they, they, they flash to these people like in voodoo makeup doing all this crazy shit oh, but sounds right up my alley it's a great song though what a great it's it totally fits the book of shadows you know vibe uh all right next story this uh seems like a reissue that a lot of people are excited about uh death's debut album scream bloody gore is getting a major deluxe edition coming out and they've done that i think this is the last one to be done i think all the others have already come out already but, uh, you know, a lot of people are fans of this album. And there's, like, so many cool additions. You can get, like, a, a two CD, a three CD, and the, the CDs and get it on vinyl and all this shit. Uh, are you a fan of this album, Ralph? Love it. Love it. Probably my second favorite. My favorite being Leprosy. And then I would say Scream Bloody Glory. And then the one in the middle, Spiritual Healing. Those are my, my the first three are my favorite, but... I love human. I like the symbolic, and I like individual thought patterns. I'm not a fan of uh, the last one, Sound of Perseverance. I'm sorry, but I couldn't really get into that one. But everything before was great, you know, especially those first three. And that first album, fucking Mutilated, fucking Zombie Ritual, what an album that is. And that, very special album to me, actually. And I will be buying this special edition thing. All right, well, they're definitely a band. I've heard some of them, and, and some of it I liked, and some of it uh, didn't get on me. But I, you know, I I need to check them out again. I, admittedly, I'm, I, admittedly, I'm not the world's biggest death metal fan, but uh, I, you know, when I'm in the mood, I do like it. And uh, this band's very well respected, and uh, I think I'm gonna check this one out. You know what's unfortunate, and a lot of people that are younger don't, don't know this, but the people that were there at the time, Chuck was a joke. And I know a lot of people are going to be pissed off by hearing this, but Chuck was very disrespected while he was alive. And uh, I met Chuck once, and he wasn't the nicest guy, but he could have been having a bad day, so I'm not going to say he was, you know, he's always been a dick. He just wasn't, he was very cold. But people hated Chuck, like, when he started that uh, Control Denied stuff. Right. And, and people were slamming Sound of Perseverance. Shit, a lot of people hated Human. And stuff like that, because, you know, he did go more technical, getting away from the dirty death metal stuff. And a lot of people were also making fun of the way he talked, because he was kind of feminine. And I will never forget, the week he died, I used to do a radio show at the time, and there's a guy, I won't mention his name, uh, making fun of Chuck on the air, saying, eh, I'm Chuck, and like, you know, talking like, you know, with a lisp and everything. The, that very week, Chuck died. And the very next program, that same guy was being like, you know, giving him tribute and shit. And I even said on the I go, dude, you were really fucking rude about Chuck last week. Now you're all kissing his ass when he died. That sucked. But I was very bummed that he died. Uh, 
But you know what? I did get to see death. And if you go on YouTube, I mean, I was much skinnier then. Uh, when they played the Cameo Theater, I staged though three times. And you can see me clearly during that. And that was a leprosy tour when they were opening for Death Angel. And it wasn't even announced that they were opening till the day of the show. Wow. So, yeah, I did get to see the leprosy with Rick Ross. And I saw Symbolic. I saw, I saw him twice. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Um, the, 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 the spiritual healer. Not Symbolic. Right. So I, I, saw, I saw Death twice back in the day. And I'm glad I did. Because Chuck now is known as the godfather of death. And rightfully so. I wasn't one of these people bashing Chuck back in the day. But just to let you all know. Everybody that looks at him and praises him. Chuck was very disrespected while he was alive. And there's actual footage of Cam Lee, like, uh, on stage fucking with a little doll, the Chuck doll, making fun of Chuck. Uh, but I could go on and on about this. I, all I gotta let you guys know is that, because Chuck died and death exploded by this generation that wasn't there, they don't know this about Chuck. They just don't. Well, all right. Let's get into our last story, and that is uh, Ace Frehley. Right. Man, I cannot wait to hear his version of Rock and Roll Hell. Yeah, I think that's what most people are uh, uh, anticipating. I, I know I am. The rest of it, I'm kind of eh with covers albums. It's very rarely that I give a shit. Sometimes, like, uh, one I did really love, though, was Feedback by Rush. Yeah. But most of the time, it's it's a novelty thing. Like, oh, I, you know, you might play the shit out for a week, and then you ever really listen to it again. This is a little, to me, it's a little different. Then it covers on because at least we get to hear Ace do studio versions of Cold Gin and Parasite. You know what I mean? Like songs that he didn't sing during the Kiss years. So I think that makes this a little more special to me than just the covers out. Did Did you hear the Parasite yet? Loved it, man. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, I was I was kind of am about it. You know, I, I loved it. It, he, it was a, there was a little twist in it, and John Five does a guitar solo. I thought it was great, dude. Right now. I, I thought he sounded a great voice. That I liked. It's just, musically, I'm just so attached to the original. I mean, I didn't hate it. Like, some people just flat out hated it and blamed everything on John 5. I'm not like that. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I loved it. it. And I can't wait to hear Duke Old Jen in the studio. All right. Well, what you won't hear on the Ace album is Gene Simmons. And when asked why, he simply said Gene was the first one he went to. He said he left Gene multiple messages. Uh, you know, called his house, but kept getting the answer machine. Didn't hear anything back. And said he went. He even went as far as to call Doc McGee to to have uh, Gene call him. But you know, Doc's not really the world's biggest Ace fan, so maybe he passed the message on, and maybe he didn't. But he simply said after a while he got tired of Gene not answering him. You so know, he called. He called Paul, and Paul returned his call right away. Dude, you know what I think of Gene Simmons not answering Ace? <laughs> All right, that's enough for the news. Let's get into the review. Let's uh, talk about the Beatles' help, right, Ian? Let's do it. All right, the Beatles' help. You know what, man? This album, like Black Sabbath. Uh, Never Say Die is not my favorite Beatles album, but it's the one I listen to the most. And I do put it up there. I put it up there over certain Beatles albums that are considered way better. The Beatles, dude, what they did in that short amount of time, they, 
It's like the only band that literally changed the world. And this is, I feel like, an album that has a many, many songs that are known, but yet not a lot of people point at Help as one of their best albums. I do. I think it was my idea to do this episode, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, yeah. I said, yep, that's let's, for sure. yeah, let's review Help, man, because I remember that day I was listening to Help, and I'm like, fuck, this album is so good. It's just so full of hooks. And, and it was, you know, a lot of people say Rubber Soul is when they started to change a little bit. No, you started to hear a little change in Help, too. There was a little, a little changing going on. Help, I think, is what started the change. Everything before that was a little more formula. But, and another thing, this I'm very unclear of. But as far as I can remember, the very first memory of my life, the first thing I remember ever was looking up at a little radio on a windowsill, and it was either Help or Hard Day's Night. I don't know which song. But one of those two songs was the first memory of my life. The Beatles were the first memory of my life. It was before I was five, maybe three years old. I was alive when the Beatles, I was five years old when they broke up. I was there. I remember being a little kid watching the Beatles cartoon. I love the Beatles cartoon. Yeah, I remember seeing that as a little, little child when they were brand new cartoons. I remember seeing um, uh, just the Beatles on uh, Hey Jude, I guess, when they first broadcasted. I remember seeing the Beatles on TV back in the 60s. I do remember that. Um, Maybe Penny Lane video or something, you know, Ed Sullivan show. Uh, oddly enough, I was born on the same day they played the Ed Sullivan show, February 9th. Though it was one year prior to me being born, February 9th, 1964 is when they played the Ed Sullivan show. But uh, the Beatles are extremely important to me. Though oddly enough, I was not, I didn't own any Beatles albums when I was a little kid. I owned nothing. I didn't own albums. I owned Dr. Doolittle, the soundtrack. <laughs> and then the first 45 I ever owned was American Pie, uh, Don McLean. And uh, then, you know, then when I moved to Miami, I had the sweet little Willie. Had some Elton John. Then I bought Kansas. And I didn't buy my first Beatles album till like the late 70s. And I bought uh, the, the Blue album that was the second greatest hits. And I really enjoyed it a lot. And I was like maybe 12, 13 at the time. It was the late, late 70s. And uh, then I bought uh, the White Album. And that one I even enjoyed more. And then from there, that's when I started, you know. I, would buy, I wouldn't buy Beatles albums that much. I avoided the early stuff. Because I was really into that hippy-dippy shit. Where now I fucking love... Please please me to let it be. I think all of them are great. There's some some of my favorite Beatles songs are like the early shit, like This Boy is like one of my favorite fucking Beatles songs. And you know, I can go on and on, but uh, I'll, you know what, your, I'll let you go. What about my you mom? Know, you know what your mother loves? This boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, I love the Beatles. I love 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 the Beatles always been a part of my life 
you know, I can never remember a time without the Beatles or their music being played, you know, where I grew up and everything. And uh, But the funny thing is, before you pick this album, I've never listened to it. What? I, I knew all of the songs, but as far as listening to this as a complete album, never did it. Wow. Uh, are, there, uh, are there other Beatles albums like that? Um, no. Wow, this is the only one you haven't listened to as an album. Right, yeah, this because I'm looking back at the other stuff. I never listened to the album all the way through. Even though I knew almost all of the songs. Oh, so there's some songs you didn't know. Yes, there are some songs I didn't know. Okay. Like, listen to this, I had to give a fresh review. All right. But, uh, I mean, what an amazing band. And, you know, we should mention we're recording this two days after Christmas, uh, 2015. The Beatles just went on, like, streaming sites and everything 48 hours ago. Already 50 million listens in 48 hours. Over, in, two th in 2015. That's o over 45 years ago, they broke up. Yeah. Generation after generation after generation love the Beatles. It's just, uh, it's like this phenomenon that doesn't end. And you can, can you think of any other phenomenon that, that, that still resonates like the Beatles? Not Elvis, well, not Michael Jackson. Who? Uh, while I'm definitely impressed with those numbers and who wouldn't be, I did read an interesting article about a year ago where somebody was saying like this, this new generation, this current generation is the first one where the Beatles don't matter. And I kind of believe that in a way. Even though you look at these numbers, I think it's a lot of baby boomers and maybe people our age. But I think there's a lot of kids growing up these days that have no idea. What, you know, they, they may not know it, but the music they listen to is a, you know, affected by the Beatles. But I, I think we're on a cusp where, you know, 20 years from now, they may not mean what they mean now. I mean, they will to our generations, but to the current generation, unfortunately, I think it's slipping away, and that's why I'm, I'm so happy to talk about it. Well, maybe maybe the next generation will, will catch on. I hope so, but I have little doubt. Fuck the future. Well, I mean, hey, man, if it doesn't happen, then again, I'll say, who the fuck lasted this long as a phenomenon? Other than Jesus. Oh, I, I agree. And, if, you know, and if somebody tells me they don't like the Beatles, you know, I'm like, fuck you. You know, my old lady doesn't like the Beatles. And I fuck her once a month, whether she likes it or not. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I love the fucking Beatles. Dude. They, they, to me, they are the greatest band of all time. And I, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I think the greatest rock and roll band of all time is the Rolling Stones. But the greatest band overall is the Beatles, because the Beatles transcend everything to me. You can't pigeonhole them into rock and roll. I mean, it, it is rock and roll, but it's also art. It's, it's just, I don't know, it's just on another plateau that I don't think any band will ever reach. You know, I, I really don't think so. I don't think any band will accomplish what the Beatles have and, and what the impact is. And if people don't like the Beatles, man, it, I'm suspect. You know, that's like saying, you know, saying you don't like the Beatles is like saying you like Sammy Hagar 
or the elder. I might like you, hey, but hey, I don't fucking come on, trust man. you. <laughs> I'm just this is me. This is me talking. Hey, just just for the record, if somebody's just tuning into that metal station now and hearing us talk about the Beatles and thinking, yo, what the fuck, man? I'm on that metal station. You're talking about the Beatles. Hey, ask why. There wouldn't be that metal station if it wasn't for the Beatles. Thank you. That's right, Helter Skelter, bitches. Hey, Ozzy Osbourne, Black Sabbath. Yeah. And this is exactly why, you know, this show is the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, because we're going to talk about different stuff. I mean, if we just do every metal album, that limits us. We like to talk about rock, hard rock, metal, thrash. Not that there's uh, anything wrong with limiting, but fuck it. You know, we, we want to play, we want to talk about whatever the fuck. Right, man. Is an ABBA review out of the question? Yeah. It is okay. I forgot. Okay. All right. You know, and we're not going to talk about Hank Williams Jr., but, uh, right, right, okay. but uh, you know what? A, a lot of shit we love would not take place without the Beatles. And uh, I love the Beatles. Or throat, throat fucking. Gotta remember yes. that. Yes. Throat fucking right. is very important. That's right. And invented by the Beatles. What exactly? It was John Lennon who throat-fucked Yoko Ono, 1968, at an art museum, and that's how she she came up with uh, number nine. That's right, and I mean, if you listen to any, you know, recording of Yoko Ono, that's what that sound is. She actually doesn't sing that horrible, that's just her getting no, throat-fucked. Yeah, she's getting throat-fucked. That yeah. A lot of people don't understand that. They go, oh, she doesn't know how to sing. Dude, it's impossible to sing when you're getting throat fucked. And I think she's pretty goddamn talented because at least yeah. you can hear her voice. Where most chicks, when you throat fuck them, you ask them to sing, they sound like Donald Duck. Yes, it, it, it is hard to sing with a like an anteater in your mouth. Which, yeah, you know, man. J- John was uncircumcised, that's why I call him an anteater. But, Yoko uh, Ono's a god. Uh, oh, she's a fucking. Uh, oh, oh how, my God. How, how about how about that album when they're both naked? Yo, John, can you trim those pubes? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know, dude. You still don't see his penis. <laughs> he had so many pubes. He had a bigger push than Yoko. Dude, dude, when I first saw that album, I thought he had a black guy in between his legs because I thought it was an afro. You know? Yeah, power to the people. It's like, hey, what's What's Lindsey Buckingham or the drummer from Boston doing between your legs? <laughs> I can't see your cock. <laughs> oh, my oh God. Boy. Can there be a flabbier ass than Yoko Ono? And she was oh. young back then. You know, oh my. I'm convinced John Lennon had the wrong prescription glasses. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I'll tell you what. I don't know if this is a toss-up. I don't know who I want to die more, Yoko Ono or Sammy Hagar. That's a toss-up. <laughs> you know, there was, it, you know, there was a comedian one time said, you know, if the guy would have aimed a little to the left, he would have been a hero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. But seriously, I mean, can you name two more people who fucked up some of the greatest bands in the world than Yoko Ono and Sammy Hagar? I mean, really? Oh. <laughs> God. You notice you never seen Yoko and Sammy in the same room. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, oh God. I, I, w- I wish you saw Yoko and Sammy Hagar in the same room with Isis. That would be incredible. You know, if Yoko Ono sang without a cock in her mouth, she'd sound like Sammy. I wish Yoko Ono and Sammy Hagar were in Eagles of Death Metal concert. 
in Paris. That's terrible. That's terrible. I'm, go I'm, going, I'm, I'm going to an imaginary place I don't even believe in. Oh my god. <laughs> Say hi to John. Yeah, I digress. Uh, the Beatles, dude. Just just amazing. And uh, I think this was an interesting pick. And I was happy to do this because I thought you brought up some great points about it. Everybody talks about Rubber Soul and Revolvers where, you know, they made that switch. But I definitely think you see the first sprouts of that on this album. Yep. And I know a lot of people who like the Beatles, but only the experimental period yeah you know yeah they they, they they don't like you know the love me do shit you yeah. know they only they only like the beatles on drugs right and, and to me uh you know i'm kind of the same way that's definitely the drug period is what i got into first but help is when they first started smoking weed right thanks to bob dylan bob dylan yeah bob dylan yeah. turned them on to weed and uh i think you see you know i think you see a maturity on this album and this is definitely, you know, it shouldn't be ignored. This is where it really started to change for them. And I love the earlier period, but I'm, I'm like you. You know, I had to go back, and now I love that shit just as much. I mean, yeah. just, for, just for the simplicity, and it, it's still, it's pop perfection. It's, it's beautiful, too. And, and even, like, the covers they did. Like, uh, Mr. Postman, which was, a bunch of chicks did that fucking song. The Beatles rocked it, man. That version of uh, Please Mr. Postman, forget that original version. Beatles rocked that fucking song. I love John Lennon had a really meaty voice, you know? Oh, yeah, he had an incredible voice, an incredible voice. Very rich and heavy. Like in this boy, such a beautiful, mellow tune. But when he starts crooning and hitting those notes, man, god damn, that's the best part of that fucking song. You know it, I know it, let's stop bullshit. Fuck Catcher in the Rye. That's right. So here we go, Let, let's get into this album, which we, we should mention was a soundtrack to their second full-length movie. What you think of the movie? I have not seen this movie in probably 30 years, so I, I don't, I barely remember. I remember the ring. I remember a ring glowing yeah, or some yeah. shit. Yeah, uh, yeah, Ringo had a ring that they were after right. the whole right. movie. I am a huge fan of Hard Day's Night. I think it's one of the greatest movies ever made. Forget it, because the Beatles, it's just a great, great movie. Help, I thought, kind of sucked, to tell you the truth. And I did buy it on Blu-ray. I did revisit it, try to get into it, and it was really a movie of the time. It was them trying to be quit, uh, you know, it was, it just, they were trying to recapture Hard Day's Night, and it just didn't work. I thought it was not a good movie, though, it does have footage of them doing some of the songs from the album and that to me saves the movie so if you chop up all the storyline and all the stupid shit um and just add it as a music video it's great because it's they go to the bahamas and the little apartment all the the footage of them playing songs in the studio it's fucking great that part's great and you know well filmed and everything like that but it hard day's night blows it away Big time. All right. I, I need to revisit it. I have it on, you know, the funny thing is I bought it on DVD and I had to buy an import and I still never watched it. How about how about Hard Day's Night? Have you, have you seen that? No. Never seen Hard Day's Night. What? No. 
Oh my god, you don't know what you're missing. Dude, forget it's a Beatles movie. It's really funny, well made, and it's hilarious. Paul McCartney's grandfather steals the fucking movie. It's not his real grandfather, but this old guy in the movie. It's fucking hilarious, dude. You gotta see. It's a great, great, great fucking movie. And, you know, there's little innuendos. There's a part in the movie where um, John Lennon gets a Coke can and he starts snorting on it. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I like that. All right, well, let's get into the album. And, uh, Ralph, why don't you start off with the title track? Help. Help. Uh, oh, my gosh. Jesus. Uh, uh, pop perfection. Uh, a great example of why the Beatles are what they are. Um, a song John Lennon wrote that was kind of autobiographical about what he was going through at the time because at that time, you know, the Beatles were just so huge and they and it just get got bigger and bigger and it wasn't letting up and he started drinking heavy, he started gaining weight, he was very depressed, he was, you know, you know, they were all like, you know, pretty much prisoners of their success. And this song was kind of his way of saying, somebody help me, you know, I'm like, almost like a Kurt Cobain-ish type thing, you know. Uh, he wasn't enjoying himself. He was uh, playing all these shows where, you know, people couldn't even hear the music. They were just cheering for the, you know, just to see him up there strumming a guitar and they couldn't hear shit. And, you know, that's not why he formed the band and he wasn't having fun. And it reflects in the lyrics to this song, Help, but yet... What makes this band so fucking amazing is like, here's a song of him yelling for help and how depressed he is to a really jingle jangle happy fucking tune with amazing melodies and hooks galore. And uh, I love it. Help is an amazing fucking song. Uh, I don't know if it'd be the favorite, my favorite on here, but it's damn up there, man. And a great opener. An amazing opener for the song and a great uh, title for the album. Uh, I agree. Uh, great opener. Amazing. And this song actually started out as a ballad uh, in its original form, but he was forced under pressure to make it a more up tempo number. Do you, I, I didn't know, know this, Ian. Let me ask you a question. Did Deep Purple do like the original version then? Because Deep Purple, when they covered it, it was very mellow. Uh, no, I I mean, I don't know if they heard the original or not, but uh, that's originally how John intended it, uh, intended the song to be. But he, he changed it due to, you know, pressure from the record company and George Martin to make it more of a happy number. And still, it's like, you can make the music as happy as you want, but lyrically, it's exactly what you talked about. Uh, this was the second single off the album. But what's funny is the two singles off this album came out months prior to the album. Uh, but it's it's a it's a timeless, timeless Beatles song, and John just sings it amazingly. But it definitely like lyrically, this is a big stretch for the Beatles. It's you know it's not the Spoon Moon and June of Paul McCartney, and it's not like the innocence of the you know their earlier covers. There's something dark here that's buried in a very up-tempo beat. And it's amazing. And and short, like all the songs, I believe on this album, all of them are like under two minutes. And, and, and I, 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 mean, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, under three minutes. 
They're just all a little over two minutes. And it's another glaring example of this is where the change really started, was hell. Yes, I agree. And, I and agree. another thing I want to bring up, like a little plug for that thing that just came out, that number one uh, right. DVD. I got the deluxe box with the Blu-rays and it brings a really, it brings up all the promotional videos. And they made a promotional video for help that I've never seen before. They're all sitting on a bicycle, one of those four-seat bicycles, holding umbrellas. And, you know, and John, I think John's the only one with a guitar. And they're behind him, like, singing with him. It's a really cool, cool video. And I highly recommend everybody go out and get that box if you're a Beatles fan. Because if you don't have it, there's a lot of cool videos on there that... I've never seen before, and even, you know, different takes, you know, because I've seen, like, you know, Free as a Bird and Real Love's on there as well. You get that bonus shit. But then there's, like, some videos that I never even knew existed because I figured I'd seen it all since I had the anthology. But, no, there's stuff on there that wasn't included on the anthology. Like, I Want to Hold Your Hand is different on there as well. Go ahead. Ah. All right. Well, the second song, and I'm going to let you take this round, is The Night Before. I adore this song. This is a song that I feel like is the most underrated and unforgotten but also happy it's in the movie. Uh, they do play this in the movie out in the field somewhere. I love this song. I love the melody. It's a great, great um, Paul tune. Your typical Paul tune but it has that little rocky feel to it with uh, I love the, the, the it's just those structures where he sings and then you hear George and John in the background. Ah, the night before, now today you find. It's just such a great intertwining melody. I feel like this is probably the most underrated track on the album because as far as I know, it's never been played live by Paul, you know, or the Beatles, you know. Paul never, you know, dug this out and threw it, you know, because Paul tends to throw out some really cool gems live. Even far back as the wings the wings do a the wings do an incredible version to a deep track that's on hell that i don't that's true that i don't believe uh the beatles ever played i'm positive they didn't play because the beatles never took a break during the show to sit down and play acoustic guitars you know what i mean very true love the song what do you think uh yeah i love this one uh, a great great paul song and you know, a typical Paul song. I mean, this is the happy, upbeat, you know, what, what people come to know and expect from Paul. You know, John's were always the darker songs. Not that, you know, uh, Paul didn't have his darker songs. In fact, one of his darkest is on this album. But uh, but this this is just a great one. And I, I love the harmonies. You know, the harmonies in every Beatles song are incredible. Uh, absolutely love this song. What do you think, Ralph? Uh, what are you talking about? Night before, I already talked about this. Okay, I'm sorry, I, I've been drinking. What's All the right. next one? Alright, the next one. Oh my god, this is a great John Lennon song. You've got to hide your love away. Here I stand with a hidden hand Turn my face to the wall If she's gone, I can't go on I forgot how it goes. Go ahead. Ten, <laughs> I, I know how to play the song. I just can't remember now. Ten feet tall. Yeah. 
Awesome. This was uh, directly inspired by John Lennon. I mean, not uh, John Lennon. Uh, by Bob Dylan. Uh, you know, all of the Beatles, but particularly uh, John Lennon, were big fans of Bob Dylan and started to find more interest in introspective songs, not just, you know, cookie-cutter kind of boy-meets-girl shit, uh, some songs of some more substance. And this song is a perfect example. Uh, you Got to Hide Your Love Away. A class, totally classic John Lennon song. I love it. What do you think? I know, I know how to play the whole song. I'm just a little rusty now because I haven't played it in a while. Uh, yeah. What a great, great fucking song. Yeah, total Bob Dylan. You know, like I said, man, like, you know, a lot of people, like, slam the Beatles. And, the Beatles sucked. They didn't do shit. Look, I feel the same way. Well, not that I, 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 musically, I feel the same way about Bob Dylan. I can't stand his nasally voice. I feel like he sucks, but what he did to music was incredible. Because uh, you got, uh, there'd be no, you got love, uh, hide your love away if it wasn't for Bob Dylan. You know, just like it wouldn't be, you know, a lot of these bands wouldn't be around because of Black Sabbath. So I, I, I totally uh, blame Bob Dylan for this amazing song. And again, in the movie, John Lennon singing this in his little underground bed thing in that apartment they all shared. Beautiful fucking song. Um, the way he sings it too, man. Like, my favorite is the second line where he's like, how can I even try? That part is just so, oh, so beautiful. And in the, in the, it's just the, the, the guitar and then the little flute comes in. Again, where, when the fuck was there flute before? You know, in, in a Beatles song, you know, they're bringing in new instruments and, uh, well, just to get off the subject for a second, there is a scene in the movie Help where they're in an Indian restaurant and there's a sitar there and that sitar, George Harrison was drawn to it and that's where we got all that sitar shit going on later on in the Beatles career was spawned from the movie Help, them finding that in a scene in the movie, but uh, you got a, a hide your love away is beautiful, gorgeous, perfect, and I learned it on guitar. I, even though I should have practiced it a lot before this episode, so I could have crooned it for you guys as a bonus. Ah, oh, well, the world will never know. Yeah. Uh, well, we go on to the next song, which is funny you say about the sitar, a George Harrison song, which I wish he never would have found that fucking sitar, by the way. Because I really hate the sitar. Oh, boy. Though I love the sitar in Norwegian Wood. But other than that, no, yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I love Norwegian Wood. but no, the, yeah, it's, It fits perfectly in Norwegian Wood. But everywhere else, no. Everywhere yeah. else, it's overkill. In Norwegian Wood, they it's it, it just... It, it's there to enhance the song in little parts. Where George Harrison just wanked through a whole song with the shit. Oh, yeah. Then when you get to Within You, Without You. Oh, my like, God. Oh, no, I God. hate that song. I hate that... That, that song almost kills fucking Sgt. Pepper. Yeah, I agree. It's like the worst song. It's like, wow, this, this song is considered such a masterpiece because everybody is deaf. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is like... Uh, like, Sgt. Pepper is so fucking brilliant. And then, you know, you get, you know, I did it all for the nookie. I mean, it's that bad. Yeah, it's so bad. You know, it, yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, everything but, on Sgt. Pepper is awesome but that. Yes, I agree. 
But uh, now we get to the first George song, and that is I Need You. And it's, it, it's not bad, but, man, I, I, I feel bad for George Harrison. He is my least favorite Beatle, and that's like, you know, saying it's my least favorite blowjob. I mean, it's he's still amazing. You know, I mean, he's still incredible. But, man, when you're in a band with Lennon McCartney, you know, it, it's like, you know, you're a porno actor, and you're in an orgy scene, and you show up with this 10-inch cock, and you're, like, all proud. But then here walks Lennon McCartney with, like, a fucking 20-inch cock. You know, it just ain't the same, brother. Sorry. You know, and I feel the same way about this song. It's all right, but when you stack it up against Lennon and McCartney songs, it it ain't there. It ain't there. You know, it's uh, you know, it, it's an all right song, but uh, it shows why Lennon and McCartney were the stu- you know steering this fucking ship, in my opinion. What do you think, Ralph? Uh, yeah, you said it perfectly. Though an all right George Harrison song is awesome. You know, yeah, because, I agree. I agree. And, and I think it is a good song. Um, you know, it does fit the album well. You know, it's it's an album. You know, it, it fits the flow well. That's one thing I can say about this album. The flow on this album, that because we are reviewing the UK version. And when we're done, uh, Ian will throw out the songs that they released on the US version, which I have no idea how that album is. Because when I finally heard Help... Uh, I, again, I'm very late to a lot of Beatles albums because I bought like I, I this is what I own because when they finally released it on CD, I went out and bought this wood box that brought every Beatles album. So before I bought that wood box, the only Beatles albums I knew and owned was Abbey Road, uh, White Album, that blue, the blue one, and Sgt. Pepper. I didn't even I didn't even have Rubber Soul or not like my favorite. <laughs> so, uh, my point is, when I first heard uh, Help, you know, um, this is the one album that I felt like George Harrison, not his best songs, but they flowed well. And it's a really good flowing album. And I never, ever heard any, any Beatles albums that were Americanized because my Sgt. Pepper... White Album. Correct me if I'm wrong, Ian, because I'm not even aware of this. Sgt. Pepper, White Album, and Abbey Road, were the American versions different than uh, no, the no, UK no. versions? No, no, by that point, they were all the same. I think the, the last one to have a different uh, American and UK version was Revolver, I believe. It's either Revolver or Rubber Soul. I okay. know Rubber Soul for sure, and I think quite possibly on Revolver. Okay, so I am not aware of any American version. Now, I do recall looking at at some American versions here and there going, oh, you got to be kidding me. What the fuck's this? You know, this, this doesn't flow well. They put, like, singles, like, you know, uh, stuff that are on past masters, you know, which I think, right. uh, again, shit, I would love to review past masters. I want to talk about fucking great albums, uh, which was oh, yeah. just all the singles. That they didn't add on albums. And uh, so, yeah, uh, Help flows great. And I, it probably was Help when I saw the American version on. Really? The fuck is this crap? Or maybe it was Rubber Soul. One of those two. Anyway, and that's one thing about Beatles albums. Like, most of those Beatles albums, even the early ones, had a great flow. It just had a great flow. There wasn't no song like, 
oh, why did they start the album with this? I think every Beatles album started with a great opener. Well, yeah. there you go. Yeah. So, uh, I Need You is a great track. I, uh, for George Harrison, I'll take a decent song from him. It's not bothersome like most of his songs do bother me. I know a lot of people look at George Harrison as the best Beatle and the best solo career. Uh, uh, I'm a McCartney guy, man. I and I, and I love I love Lennon, but I love Lennon more than the Beatles. He did have his moments, especially toward the end of his life. I love Double Fantasy like more than all the other albums he did. But go ahead. Go ahead. What's next? Alright, the next one is a Paul track, and that's Another Girl. And... I, I love this one. Uh, you know, this is Paul's got a new bag, bitch. You know, it's like, fuck you, woman. I got another girl, so step off. And Paul says this one is filler, but I disagree. I, I absolutely love another girl. There's a lot of songs on this album that uh, task the Beatles, specifically, you know, John and uh, Paul, you know, think it's filler, but I, I don't think so. I think this is an amazing track. I love this song. What do you think, Ralph? Yeah, it's a great song. Uh, wouldn't say it's the best Paul song on here. Probably, you know, out of all the Paul songs, I'd probably put it at the bottom. But it's still a good song. And uh, it's cool footage of them in the Bahamas playing this song near the beach on the on the rocks. And uh, it's a cool tune. Like, you know, it's a typical good little melody. And, you know, and, and I believe Help was pretty much written during the... You know, while making the movie, like they were like, "All right, let's hurry up and do this these songs for the movie," and I think they were kind of rushed. But you can't—that's how brilliant these guys were. They were rushed under pressure to make this fucking album for this movie to perform some of these songs in the movie. Which, oddly enough, the biggest hit ever from the Beatles is on this album, and it's not in the movie. Right. How weird is well, that? Well, uh, you know, you brought up a good point. And it, it reminds me of what your mother charges $20 for, a half and half. Half this shit was done before they left to record the movie, or to, to make the movie, and the other half was after. Uh, but, yeah, I, I love this one. And then we go into a John track, which I absolutely love. You're going to lose that girl. Oh, my God. This was actually, this was the last one that they recorded before they stopped to go make the movie. And just an awesome tale of John, you know, talking to a friend, saying, hey, you got a good thing here, and if you fuck this up, I'm going to fucking knock the bottom out that shit. You know? John's going to get up all in those guts if you don't start paying attention to your woman. And it's a classic song. Absolutely love it. What do you think, Ralph? Hell yeah, I love this one too. Uh, in the movie, there's footage of them recording the song they're in the studio doing this uh awesome tune again you know uh probably at the bottom of the list of my favorite john songs on here but it's a great song it, it this one's a little more reminiscent of earlier beatles than anything else on the album i think well other than the last track which is very reminiscent of early early beatles but uh you're gonna lose that girl is awesome again with the backing vocals well-structured, hooky, love it. Like I told you earlier, man, I love this fucking album. Even the songs that I don't think are as good as the other songs are still good songs. I don't really think there's a bad song on this whole album. And yes, there's another Harrison song coming up. Now, uh, 
What's after this one? Oh my god, what's after this one? Uh, probably... Uh, could be my favorite song on the album. And that is Ticket to Ride. Uh, I absolutely love this fucking song. Love Ticket to Ride. This was the first single off the album. Released months in advance of the release of this. Uh, awesome. There's been a lot of speculation about like what it means. Um, Paul McCartney said Ticket to Ride you know, was about a girl taking a ticket to ride on the train, which ride was a city in the Isle of Wight. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was, you know, it wasn't spelled like ride. It was spelled with a Y instead of an I. But John Lennon said ticket to ride was also a slang for a prostitute uh, going to getting checked up. And, and, like, you know, if she passed all her tests, like, hey, you ain't got the clap or the creeping crud or whatever, you got a ticket to ride, you know, it's like, for, you know, you got a ticket to go fuck. You're okay, you're not gonna, you know, give somebody something. And, and I love both theories, but considering that John was the one who, who wrote it, I, I tend to lean towards his explanation and kind of see, you know, Paul saying what it was as, like, a kind of a, a PG version to tell the kids, but I think Lennon's right talking about like, hey, I, I you know, I picture some whore he banged, you know, in, in Hamburg when they're playing the cavern, you know, like, you know, some whore's like, hey, I got a ticket to ride, you know, and Paul's like, I, and John's like, I don't care, you know, fuck it. Wow, I'm trying to picture these words in my head to see if it connects to being other. His baby don't care. Yeah. Uh, but, um, wow, yeah, I love this song too. And again, I'm like the little commentary of the movie, they, 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 uh, the video to this song, I'm sure you remember, because uh, MTV used to show it. They used to take the clip out of this movie and show it on MTV back in the day. Them in the, in the slopes, on right, snow, right, and, and they're in the snow and playing piano in the in the winter and uh, or wherever the hell they were, you know. Um, what a great, great song. My favorite part of the song where he goes, ah. <laughs> Right before the chorus, during after the second chorus, like, ah, he's got to get around. I just love that. Ah, there you go. That's my, my instead it, of, it, eh, eh, it's a, ah. It also reminds me of this old skit on uh, Saturday Night Live when uh, Eddie Murphy was on there where he says he was the original, you know, he was the fifth Beatle. What a great skit. And he said they changed all, all the lyrics to his songs. He says, uh, ticket to Ride used to be called Bitch Got a Ticket to Ride and She Don't Care. No, 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 no. It was, no, it was, uh, the, rich, the song was, uh, She Got a Ticket to Ride and the Bitch Don't Care. That was, yeah. That was an yeah. It's like, come on, come on, y'all. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I, yeah. No, he goes, oh, yeah, I, man, she's got something, man. I think you'll understand. That is such a great. You got an ass kicking. I'm gonna put my foot so deep in your ass, your breath's gonna smell like shoe, shoe, uh, shoe polish. <laughs> Clarence, was it Clarence or something? Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> goes, you played the, they played the album backwards. Hey, Paul, let's get rid of Clarence. Clarence. <laughs> yeah, that's a great skit. That's when Eddie Murphy rules. Oh but, yeah. And the famous uh, story was. Uh, Remember in the 70s, um, Saturday Night Live 
offered, what was it, $1,000 for the Beatles to reunite? Remember I, that? I, I think it was 5000 Okay, $5,000 for the Beatles to reunite. And uh, a cool thing about that story was John Lennon and Paul McCartney were once watching it. And they were tempted to actually go over there and do something. But right. they ended up not doing it. Right. Sucks. And, and I, I love the skit because it's Lauren Michaels, uh, you know, showing the check. He goes, he goes, if you want to give Ringo less, that's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. But anyway, yeah, Ticket to Ride. What a great, 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 great song. Beautiful song. One of my favorites on here, yeah. Um, and then comes, I, I'm sorry, but I don't have it in front of me. What's, you take I, the I, next one. I know, you're so prepared. Uh, the next one. I have a feel. It's the Ringo one, right? It's the country Ringo. Act naturally. Yeah. What do you think of this one, Ralph? My favorite Ringo song. Wow. And I know it's a cover, but uh, to me the highlight, because I've seen Ringo star in the All Stars like three times, and every time he pulled this one out. I've loved this song forever. Out of and I like a lot of Ringo songs. You know, I like Ringo more than George Harrison. And uh, I love Act Naturally. They're gonna put me in the movies. It's such, it's such a, I love his voice because it's so, it's so not good, you know, but it's, but it has its charm. And uh, I think it's beautiful. I think it's a beautiful fucking song. It's a great cover. Uh, probably the last cover they did, no, no. Yeah, right? I don't think the Beatles did any more covers after Hell. Uh, yeah. I what? believe, uh... Not, not, you're probably thinking of one after 909, but that's not a cover. That's it's, an was, old, I, it's an old song, but it's right, not a cover. I, yeah, I was going to say that. That's the one I was going to say. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's a Beatles song, so you can't really say it's a cover. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, so, um... Yeah, probably the last cover. I, I could be wrong, though. There could be a cover somewhere later on, but... As far as I can remember, no. And uh, yeah, it's my all-time favorite Ringo Starr song. You know, it's just a great fucking happy, great little ditty, man. That that I you can I tap my knee to enjoy. I love Act Naturally. What do you think? Oh, uh, it probably up there with Octopus's Garden as my least favorite Ringo song. Uh, and, and I love Ringo. I love Ringo. And I love Ringo's voice. To me, you know, uh, Ringo Starr is the Peter Chris. You know, he's he's got a great, unique voice. Um, the difference between Peter Chris and Ringo, though, is Ringo knows he's Ringo, and Peter Chris thinks he's Lennon and McCartney. <laughs> you know? Uh, Ringo knew when to be Ringo, and, and Peter Chris thought he was the star of the show. Um, and they both have, you know, not the best drummers, but very important to the sound of the band. You know, I, I can't picture the Beatles without Ringo's drum sound. The same way, you know, Kiss is never the same without Peter Chris's drum sound. You know that, uh, that Charlie Benante and uh, M Mike Portnoy have come out to say that what, B what Ringo did really wasn't as simple as it looks. That oh, no. Some of the oh. things that Ringo did on drums it's pretty difficult to do. No, I, I, I agree, but I'm but most people they always slag him. Yeah, no, and, that and, that I agree. And and it, it's kinda like uh, 
you know, you know, I put it right there with like Marky Ramone. You know, an incredible fucking drummer. Well, you and, gotta say Tommy Ramone because Tommy showed Marky how to play like that. Right, right. But but what what I'm getting there is a lot of people slag them, but it's like you try to play that beat over and over, you know, that fast for that repetitive, and even though it sounds simple, it's not that easy to do. And and, and Phil Rudd. Yeah. What that oh. guy does is, dude, that guy, what Phil Rudd does, I guarantee you Neil Peart can't do. I guarantee he can't do it. And, uh, you know, I it's very, you know, it's part of the sound. You take that away, man. I, I can never picture the Beatles without, you know, without Ringo. You say, like, like Peter Chris, I mean, Eric Carr buries him, technically. But, man, to get that true Kiss sound... You need that Peter Chris swing. You know, did you ever hear Pete Best? I haven't heard his drumming, no. He's awesome. Was he? I have have a lot of early Beatles stuff. The guy was awesome. Ah. Good good damn drummer. And a lot of people were pissed because he was the good-looking Beatle. Right, right. You know? Um... All right, well, that's uh, Country Ringo, and that's Act Naturally, your favorite, one of my least favorites, but I don't hate it. It's just not. And you know, I- and you and you mentioned Octopus's Garden, which I don't like that song, but I love the anthology version for some reason. Yeah, yeah, I love that anthology Octopus's Garden. You know who hates that song? Phil Anselmo. Oh, really? Phil Anselmo's okay. like the Beatles' greatest band ever, but even they had clunkers. Like you heard Octopus's Garden. <laughs> Hey, I got I gotta agree with them there. All right, then uh, we come to the next song, which could be hmm, maybe tied for my favorite, and that is "It's Only Love." Uh, absolutely love this song. Now this was on the U.S. version of Rubber Soul, and there's a couple songs on here that were on the U.S. version, but uh, I think this is incredible. John Lennon hated. This fucking song. He really hated it. John Lennon hated the Beatles. I'll get into that later. Right. But uh, Paul McCartney also kind of took a dig on the song, too, saying that, well, John Lennon said he hated the lyrics. He thought the lyrics were horrible. And Paul McCartney kind of echoed that. And he said, uh, yeah, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't very strong lyrics. We kind of edited it a little bit. But he said at the end of the day, he goes, it's a rock and roll song. It's not literature. You know, it's not Shakespeare. It is what it is. And uh, But I, I wouldn't change one lyric or one note of this song. It's only love to me is, is fucking perfection. Absolutely love this song. What do you think, Ralph? My favorite song on the album. Nice. Uh, my favorite John Lennon song on the album. Uh, better than... Uh, no, no, not my favorite song on the album. I'll take that back. Because we haven't gotten to that song yet. But it is definitely my favorite John Lennon song on the album. I love it. I love the anthology version just as much, but not better than the help version, because the help version is great. And I love it. I love that, that the little riff in the beginning. I, I want to learn that one on guitar. And I love his singing, his uh, delivery. I get high when I see you walk by. My oh my, it's fucking awesome, dude. John Lennon, and uh, you can read this online. I, I read this online. It's it's up. Google it. John Lennon Playboy interview. I guess like in the mid seventies or something. 
Man, that that's the, the, no, no. It was from uh, 1980. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I could have. Man, he slags the Beatles so much. Yeah. And brings up how George Harrison didn't really write Taxman. It was mostly him, but he gave Tom, uh, George Harrison that the credit. Said all the songs sucked. He didn't like the music he did in the Beatles. He, right, he, but at, at that time he's trying to promote Double Fantasy, you know. So he's trying to put himself up and. You know, but everybody, you know, anytime he does an interview, it's like, oh, when the Beatles get back, when the Beatles get back, when the Beatles get back, you know? I think I think a lot of that is just him trying to distance himself, you know? Which is bullshit. I mean, he, he did say good things about uh, Magical Mystery Tour. Right. That seemed to be, like, plus, the only the, thing he liked. Plus, I mean, John Lennon was a fucking prick. Yeah, you he know? was. He, he gets all this, you know, like, oh, God, he was this big peace guy. But he was a shitty father. He was yeah. very... He was very mean to a lot of people, very abusive. And, yeah, women. Yeah, he yeah, beat yeah. up. He beat up uh, Cynthia and Yoko. Yeah. So, but but I mean, you know, I I mean, I don't give a fuck, you know, myself because he's John Lennon. But I mean, John, John Lennon was a troubled youth too. You know, he was yeah. in gangs. Yeah. You know, there's a famous story where Lemmy said, uh, you know, "Lemmy saw the Beatles in the cab, yeah. right uh, before they were signing. Some guy threw something." hit John Lennon in the face and knocked his glasses off. John Lennon jumped in and beat the living shit out of another guy because he didn't have his glasses on. He got the wrong guy confused. Or John Lennon was a ruffian. He was a delinquent. He was a fuck up. And he was very angry because, you know, his mother like left him and then when she comes back, she died. She left him twice. And, uh... He was just a troubled motherfucker. And then yeah, he, yeah. Plus, if you had to fuck Yoko, you'd be angry too. You know? Yeah, exactly. And then that whole yeah, and the whole, and you know, and and you know, I mean, I love the song Imagine, but that song is so hypocritical. You know, Imagine No Possessions. You're writing this in a mansion. You know what right. I'm saying? And and everything he says in it was against what he does. You know, except I guess the religion. That part, I guess he didn't believe too much. In. Right. But um. Uh, but, you know, just to get... And there's other things on John Lennon I, I recently heard that were pretty fucked up about him. But uh, but whatever, man. I mean, the guy... Uh, let's talk about his music. The music was incredible. He did do some good things for humanity. He did try to end the war, which is, you know, commendable. But, you know, he was like South Park, the king of the hippies. And I don't really like hippies. All righty. Well, let's go into the next song, which is the uh, second George Harrison song, and that is "You Like Me Too Much." Do- does nothing for me. I mean, I don't hate it, but it you know it's wallpaper. It's just there. Interesting note, though, as much as Bob Dylan would slag the Beatles because they were far more popular, and I think you know it was a little bit of you know chap ass. You know, you know he should be praised more, but everybody loved the Beatles. Uh, he used the piano intro to this on his song uh, Temporary Like Achilles on Blonde on Blonde one of his classic albums he used that same piano intro but to me this is just this is just filler and I'm surprised they let it on the album it's probably just to be nice to George it's not horrible but compared to the rest of the songs this does nothing for me and even less than the, the previous uh, George Lund song I Need You what do you think? I love this song. I like it way more than I uh, need you. Um, I think this is a really good George Harrison song. 
which I don't say much. I don't throw that around much. But this is one of uh, my favorite George Harrison songs. I think it's a great song. I love the the melody, the the, the verse melody, and and it's to me, it's I'm very impressed by it. For for me, it's like maybe George Harrison paying attention to Lennon Park McCartney because it does have that Lenny McCartney esque uh, hooky vibe to it. And it's not just so cut and dry, like, you know, I need you, you know. This one has more words, you know, it's structured better. I felt like, and it, it was a grower, because I, I didn't really realize how much I loved this song till much later. Well, again, uh, I heard this song for the first time today. Yeah, so, oh, oh so this was one of the ones yeah, that. Yeah, I didn't know. Well, well, when we're done with this review, I want you to tell me all the songs you didn't know till today. Okay, well, uh, I, I'll, I'll tell you right now, uh, the George Harrison songs. Okay, so you didn't know I Need You either. Yeah, yeah I, yeah, I knew every other song but those two. Yeah, unfortunately, I Need You made the movie, but not this one. So this one, I guess, was written afterwards. But I love this song. I think it's well-structured, and it's, you know, for George Harrison, it's, it's excellent. It's excellent. It's one of my favorites that he's you know, ever done. So. Uh, and the funny thing I, I'll say here is... Uh, even though he's my least favorite Beatle, I think, uh, what was the first uh, solo album he did? Yeah, I, I wasn't really in. That's the one with Krishna, Krishna, right? That's right. Song. Right. My Sweet Lord. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, all Times Pass. What is yeah, it? All, all, all Things Must Pass. All Things Must Pass. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't I, get into it. I love that album. It has Wawa, what was my nickname as, as an infant. My mother and my grandmother used to call me Wawa. That, I, they got that from me, actually. Oh, okay. You know, because Wawa in Spanish means water. Oh, yeah? So I told your mom, yo, bitch, I'm fucking dehydrated <laughs> from you riding my cock so long. So get me some Wawa. <laughs> oh, maybe that's it. Uh, I thought it was because my last name's Wadley, but I could be wrong. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, you were called Wadley because I always leave wads on her face. Oh, that's how you got that name. Oh, well, let me write that down in my notes. Yeah, I'll never forget the time <laughs> that you were in the crib next to us, and like my wad like passed your mom's face and hit you. That was embarrassing. That that that, that could happen because you. I were gave like, you a, I gave you a facial, bro. You. Were, I gave an infant a facial. You were 47 when I was born, so that, that very much could be a true story. <laughs> and I remember, and then your mom looked over and she goes, Oh, Wawa! <laughs> I'm dehydrated. And I say, Oh, that reminds me, bitch, get me water. <laughs> you know, I hope, she, I hope she don't hear it. She ain't a Beatles fan, is she? <laughs> oh, she loves the Beatles. She's definitely going to listen to this oh, one. Oh, fuck! <laughs> you know, all right. But that's all right, because I can counter it. You know what your mother told me? What? I, I have no idea because I don't speak fucking Cuban. Yeah, <laughs> and, and thank God she doesn't speak American. She, she she doesn't even know I do a podcast. My mom's clueless. My mom has no idea. Though you want yourself funny, my oh, brother. Oh, don't, don't sell her short. Your mother does know a few tricks. I know, but not but all in Spanish. My brother heard <laughs> my my brother heard one episode. He told me about it. Yeah. He said, "Dude, I couldn't stop laughing. It was something to do with your mom." It's like uh, an episode where I said, I said something like, I met your mom at a crack house. Oh, that's the one that got my mom upset. <laughs> no, but that's that's not the episode. What oh. happened was, when your mom heard that, she got really upset, and you brought it up on another episode. Oh, okay. And then I said, 
I said, okay, I want to I wanna apologize to Mrs. Wadley. I did not meet you in a crack house. This was a very long time ago. Back then, it was called a freebase house. That's right. <laughs> My brother loved that line. If I ever find it, it'll be on the best of the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. Coming up, 100th episode. That's right. That's right. And I want some of you to take a little bit of pressure off Ralph. Some of you that have the technology... Download and sample your your favorite parts of the show. Yeah, we already asked. Nobody and, and what did people do? They just wrote it. Oh no, get this. It's like, yeah, okay, okay, yeah. I'll, I'll be your little bitch. You like might, I don't do enough for you for free. I was just gonna say, God damn it, this show's free. Help us out a little bit, you fucking freeloaders. Yeah. I, anyway, I love all of our fans. <laughs> well, I love the ones that that I fuck their moms. I would never tell them though. Which oh, that, that, that's rude because you know his pop's dead. Oh, come on, not him. <laughs> oh, okay. No. Uh, <laughs> I did uh, not fuck his mom. <laughs> anyway, let's go on to the next song, shall we? And that is track number 11, and that's Tell Me What You See. Uh. In fact, I I digress on my uh, my last statement about there was the only songs I didn't know were the two George songs. This is another. This is the other song I did not know. And it, it, my opinion, I'm not missing anything. To me, this was total Paul filler. Did did nothing for me. Again, not horrible, but I mean, the standard that the other songs set. This this doesn't even come close. What do you think? I don't like it. This is uh, my least favorite song on the album, and it's not horrible. Uh, Actually, I think in the beginning of the show, I said I like every song on the album, and, you know, I'll stick, I'll stand by it. I do like it, but it really doesn't fit, it doesn't stand up to the standards of every other song, including the two George songs. I feel like this is really a poor Beatles tune. And uh, I can do without this one. Not, not much more I can say. I, I'm not a fan of this song. It's all right. Whatever. If I said that in the beginning, I lied. And I'm kind of lying now saying it's all right. So what's next? All right, you fucking liar. The next song is uh, another Paul song. And that's I've Just Seen a Face. Now, this is one. This was also on the U.S. version of Rubber Soul. And uh, it's Country Paul. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe this is what opens the album, Rubber Soul, right? Uh, on the U.S. version? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure I would have to. I, I, I kind of did. I kind of think it did. Cause I, All right. I know it was some song where it was like, really, this is going to open the fucking album? Give me a second. Give me a second. I'll find out because I do have it. Uh, I think it is. I think it is. And it's kind of mind-blowing. They would pick this song as an That's why the U.S. version sucked, man. Like all the, the U.K. versions, it, they knew what they were doing. Yes, you are right, Ralph. Ain't it weird? They open a track. They open a track that number one doesn't even fit an opening song, and number two, it's not even from the same era. It's fucking crazy. Right. Uh, Other than that, America rules. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I gotta. When it comes to shit like that, like U.S. track listings, uh, man, I, I, I don't know. The U.S. fucks up everything. Sometimes I think the only great things we've created is jazz, 
thrash metal and Chinese food. You know? Oh, and, and also, we brought two Dutch kids over here that did pretty damn good. Oh, yeah. But you, but you know what I mean? You know, and some people are like, oh, how can you say, you know, Americans created Chinese food? Well, if you live in America and you like Chinese food, that shit's American. Because if the Chinese ate that shit, they would look like fucking fat-ass Americans. <laughs> Real fucking Chinese food is not all sweet and sour chicken, all right? It's like rice and a shoelace, because they're poor. Wow, I never thought of that. That's great. You're a smart guy. Let's get back to uh, uh, just seeing his face. Uh, been covered by a lot of people. A lot of country artists have covered it because it is a really? yes, it is a country flavored song. And uh, you might have saw this live because I didn't see this tour, but David Lee Roth did this on the Skyscraper tour. He did, but he didn't do it at the show I saw. But he did, and there is footage of it on YouTube. He did it in Japan. Yes. Uh, uh, but no, unfortunately, in Hollywood Sportatorium, which I believe is up on YouTube. That show. Okay. Right. Uh, he didn't throw this out, which sucks. Oh, all right. Well, uh, not, not one of my favorite fall songs, but it, it's all right. It's all right. Uh, now let's get to the most famous song. Well, I, 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 I didn't talk about I Just Seen Your Face. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. This is my favorite song on the album. Are you fucking serious? I'm dead serious, You're man. dead. You like it's, this... You like this better than Ticket to Ride and Hell? Yes. And yes. It's, it's only love? Yes. All right. It, it is my favorite song on the album. I love when Wings do it on Wings Across America. Yes, and, and it, it is one of only, I believe, four or five Beatles songs that he did live. You know, during I think the it was uh, Lady Madonna, Yesterday, I Just Seen a Face, and uh, uh, A Long and Winding Road. Yes. There may be another one. Uh, Copacabana. Okay. Uh, but uh, I Just Seen a Face is awesome, man. It's so awesome, and it's like, I don't know, it's it's a hard-driving song, but, you know, like with a, a hard-driving acoustic tune. And I love everything about this song. This is uh, definitely my favorite uh, Paul song, and I have seen him play this live, and uh, I believe it was off the ground tour. I could be wrong. But I believe I did see him play it live once. I mean, no, I know I saw him play it live. I'm just a little confused with what tour. Because I've seen Paul McCartney a, a total of five times. And every time he threw out some good nuggets. And when he threw out this one, I was like, oh, yes. So, yeah, I love this yeah. song. Favorite song on the album. I don't know. You know, maybe, you know, I'm a little bit prejudiced on this, you know, because I hate country music like Greg Barnes hates pussy. You know, like uh, Terrence hates doing a good podcast. You know, I just, you know, fucking. You had to do, you had to go there. Yeah, I had to do that. Yeah, I, I did. I did. Fuck you. But it's funny. Funny's funny, comedy's not pretty. Uh, yeah, just not not a favorite of mine. It's it's not horrible, but like, I really. Uh, I just have a thing for country music, but that's, that's me. Uh, then we'll go into the most popular song, which is Yesterday. Um,. Uh, I don't know, man. It's 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 an amazing song. It's just one of those. It's it's right there with, you know, Stairway to Heaven and Hotel California, where it's it's great, but I never want to hear it again because I just heard it so many times. 
But I, I mean, it's you hear it so many times for a reason because it is a beautiful, beautiful song. Definitely, you know, different for the Beatles. Very, you know, downbeat, very sad. You know, later on you'd, you'd get songs like, oh, definitely more John songs, but you'd also get shit like Eleanor Rigby, which was a very depressing, sad song. But Yesterday is very, um, very different, but incredible. And so many artists, I believe it's one of the most covered songs of all time by artists of all genres have done this. And it originally started out, do you know the story about scrambled eggs? Yes. It was a dream. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, he was with Jane Asher at the time as a girlfriend, had a dream about the melody, woke up and wrote it, but he kept thinking to himself, like he plagiarized it, and he played it for a lot of people and said, hey, is this familiar? Have you heard this before? Because he was so self-conscious that he stole it from somewhere. And some people have said that there's parts similar to uh, to Ray Charles, uh, I believe George on my mind, which I don't get. But uh, and I, I, I'm trying to remember, because uh, much like the the Black Sabbath version of Paranoid, where Ozzy's just making up lyrics to hum along with the melody, that's kind of what they did initially with it, and that's where it came up with the scrambled eggs, and it like went scrambled eggs. Oh baby, I love your legs. <laughs> you know, it was shit like that. And then, you know, to get the, the essence of the song. And then later on, he wrote the lyrics. And uh, it was a song that John Lennon would, would both praise and criticize. You know, uh, years later, he would say how incredible it was. And there's the infamous, infamous line in How Do You Sleep, where he says, you know, the only thing you've done is yesterday, and since I've gone, it's just another day, which is a reference to a wing song, Just Another Day. Um, I love that song too. Just another day. Not not bad. Not one of my favorites, but not bad. But it was it was a hit for Paul. Great um, song. Um, but while, while I appreciate how awesome this song is, I I never want to hear it again. And while I was listening to the album, getting ready for the review, I I'm not sure I made it all the way through. Just because it just like. All the magic is gone for me with this song. Like, you know, some songs I never get tired of, and some just, it, it's all gone. And to me, this is one where it's all gone. What do you think, Ralph? Uh, I, I never get tired of it. But then again, I never get tired of Stairway to Heaven either. I love this song. This is the first Beatles song that to only feature Paul McCartney. Correct. Um, that no, there's no Beatles members, just like Eleanor Rigby only features Paul McCartney. You know, there's no other members of the Beatles on that song either. You know, I, I think it's a song they thought was whatever. You know, they did it after, and then I guess, uh, you know, uh, radio caught on. But I don't think it was, it was actually meant to be a hit. I think it's a fluke song. I could be wrong, but I don't think this song was written... Uh, I think it was just, okay, we need another song for the movie soundtrack. Go ahead, Paul. What do you got? Oh, look, I got the like, scrambled egg song. Let us let me throw regular lyrics on it. All right, just throw it on there and it became the big hit. that The biggest hit at one time. I don't think if it, it still exists. But at one time, it was in the Guinness World of Record as the song played the most on radio. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, I don't know if there's a song that's taken over that by, by now. I, I believe at least in the U.S., excuse me, that it was replaced by Every Breath You Take. Oh, okay. Another great song. 
Um, yeah, I love yesterday. And that brings a close to the album with one more song, right? Yes, one last song. All right, you take this one. All right, that is Dizzy Miss Lizzie. Oh, my God, do I love this song. You know why? Because it's not a ripoff of Smelvis. It's a ripoff of Little Richard, my true king of rock and roll. I love Dizzy Miss Lizzie. And, you know, only one person can sing this, and that's John Lennon, because he was the rocker, you know, of the band, even more so than Paul. Paul's got some great rocking songs, but when it comes to, like, blue-collar rock and roll, nobody could sing it like John Lennon. And uh, I see you warming up your guitar here. Do you know a little bit of Dizzy Miss Lizzie? Yeah, but I can't find my guitar pick. Forget it. Go ahead. All right. Uh... Very impromptu version of Dizzy Miss List. <laughs> uh, absolutely love this track. And I, I think this is a really cool way to end the record. And, and, a, and a nod to their early influences. And Dizzy Miss Lizzie. Oh, man. Classic. I, I love hearing the Beatles do shit like this. You know, it's kind of like on, uh, on Let It Be when they do the one after 909. Even though that's one of their songs. But, I mean, it, it harkens back to that rockabilly, you know, the early early roots of rock and roll and Dizzy Miss Lizzie, uh, originally done by Larry Williams. But, uh, you know, a lot of people say, like, wow, what a ripoff of Good Golly Miss Molly by Little Richard. But it's it's it just follows a successful formula. And it does it great. I love this track. Uh, I think the standout thing about the song is his voice. So rough and rough oh, and yeah. rolling. Oh, yeah. You know, the way he screams the, the lyrics the whole way through. One of the rare Beatles songs that John Lennon did perform live as a solo artist. Uh, he didn't do many of those. What, Come Together, this song, and what else? I can't even think of any other song he did uh, that was Beatles songs. Uh, I'm sure there are more. But as far as I can remember, Come Together and Dizzy Miss Lizzie, oh, Your Blues yeah. uh, was another one. But, um, yeah, it's a great it's a great song. It's, it, it, it does seem... You know, okay, look, we love Little Richard. Uh, and it doesn't seem like they put a lot of thought into it. But that's the beauty of it. It's one of those, like, you know, it's, that's a lot of great ACDC songs are that way, you know? It's just like, just go out there and fucking rock. Yeah. And that's what this song does. And it and it, and it, it brings an end to a great album, man. That's why, I mean, that's why I love Help so much, you know? It, it, it does start great and end great, you know? Right. Love it. And then, you know, we said we would discuss the American version of this. All right, now, yeah, throw me, throw me the songs. Okay. Do me a favor, Ian. Do you have it in front of you, the track listing? Uh, yes. But okay, I, can you can you go through, even if we talked about the song, just tell me track one, track two, and then we'll get to the whatever song we'll talk about it. All right, well, let me, hold on, let me, um, all right, basically what it is, I'm going to bring it up right here, but I'm going to give you a rundown. Uh, this whole album, the first side of this album was songs that were actually in the movie Help. And the second side were songs that weren't. What the American version did was just have the first side, and then they put in instrumental shit from the movie. No way. Yeah, horrible. Horrible. Like the sitar and shit like that. Oh, there, I didn't know that. There are so many sitar songs in, on this, and it, it, I believe I believe there's also an instrumental like "I Want to Hold Your Hand" or some shit. Uh there's one that includes uh, 
an old Beatles tune. I, I yeah, kind of yeah, remember yeah, hearing that yeah, in the movie. Yeah, I believe the bitter end is an instrumental, and then it goes into... I forget what uh, Beatles song it is. Um, it's something that was on Hard Day's Night. Um, a good song off that. Uh, my track listing doesn't have it broken and up. And I love her, I think. Some, something like... Nah, I don't think it's that one. I don't know. But... Uh, uh, What's the one where he talks about he's going to kill that fucking bitch? Uh, a Run For Your Life? Yeah, it might be Run For Your Life. Or, I don't know. Well, that's I, off Robert Saul. No, uh, I don't know. I'm fucking drunk, and I ain't looking it up right now. But anyway, it's another Beatles song. But yeah, the American version, horrible. Horrible. Uh, so wait, 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 wait. So, well, read me side one. I'm just curious. What, what survived... Uh, from the UK version on the American version. What what what's okay, the Okay, I'm gonna, I'm going to read to you right now. The first song is Help, the second mm-hmm. song is The Night Before. Mm-hmm. Third song is For Me to You Fantasy, which is an instrumental from the movie. What? Yes. Then it's You Got to Hide Your Love Away and I Need You. Then it, In Tyrol, an instrumental. Then Another Girl then another hard day's night instrumental. Fuck. Uh, Ticket to ride, the bitter end instrumental, which is the one that has the melody medley in it. Uh, then it's you're gonna lose that girl, and then the chase, which is an instrumental. Did you just name every track on the album? Yeah, that that's it. Disgusting. Yeah. Oh, I thought it, it like included like. Like some singles and shit. Like, no, you know, no, I, no. I feel fine or something. No, no. The American versions suck. American versions always suck. They always... The Beatles and the Stones albums were... Uh, their first, like, you know, five or six albums were always changed for American release. And it was like some fucking peckerwood in Mississippi making these decisions because it's fucking horrible. I mean, it, horrible track listings. I'm so happy... When I was a little kid, I didn't go out and buy help. Because I would have ended up with that crap. Oh, yeah. And I tried listening to it today because I was like, well, let me listen to it so I can have some feedback. And then I heard the instrumental shit. I was like, it's terrible. It fucks up the whole flow of the album. It was... Just... Did George Martin have something to do with that? Uh, I don't I don't think so. I don't think... I think this was just the, the American record company is like... Uh, you know, oh, we're just going to put on this shit from the movie. I don't know. I don't know who made these decisions. It's Yeah, terrible. some dipshit that was in charge of the soundtrack right, who, of the movie was, right, who, you know, some fucking noodle head that didn't know nothing about nothing, like did these little stupid... Because I remember instrumentals in the movie, and it was boring. Yeah, and a lot of them is like that sitar bullshit. It's horrible. Yeah, 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 exactly. Stupid ass shit. You know, it's like goofy comedy that doesn't work. Exactly. Exactly. It was it was of the time. I'm sure back when that movie came out, it was hilarious. I, I mean, if you if you look through like the other Beatles albums that like you know the American and uh, you know I mean the the U.S. and the U.K. versions. I mean, I believe on the U.S. version of Revolver, it has Hot Dog and Fanfare. I mean, hey, hey come on, man! What the fuck, man? <laughs> just, I'm just saying. <laughs> What do you fuck with my taste? <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, you don't even like fanfare, so let it go. Oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's hard for me to admit that, though. All righty, well... I don't actually hate it. It's just whatever. This album was released August 6, 1965 in the UK, 
and, I was about like six months old by then. And, and August 13th in the USA. It, you know what sucks is when that album was released, my pain, my penis never grew since that time. It did splurt a little bit. You know, in around six months, it got a little big, but that's it. Oh. I heard my great-grandmother... No, I, this is actually a, a true story. My great-grandmother was Chinese. <laughs> I'm not making a joke. This is actually true. My great-grandmother was Chinese. On my mother's side. All right. And that explains my, my micro-penis. Yes. Uh, uh, you know why I say this, Ian? So then the chicks that I do bang on, God damn, I thought it was micro. Because it's huge. And veiny. Hey, I totally understand. I bought I bought this penis cream. You're supposed to rub on it, you know, makes your shit bigger. All it did was shrink my hands. So it, oh. <laughs> it, it, appear, yeah. it appears bigger to me. I, I, I bought another. There's a different type of penis cream to make your dick look bigger. What you do is you get the cream and you rub it in the chick's eyes. <laughs> By the way, my mom says that stings. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, Ian said it. And she's listening. Ian thinks you're a dumb whore. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Mother, you think this is terrible? Please don't listen to the monkeys episode. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, yes, it was released August 13th in the U.S. It went triple platinum in the U.S., which I'm surprised it's not bigger. But then again, uh, a lot of these rating systems were, you know, didn't take effect until the late 70s, early 80s. So I'm sure it probably sold more than that. Uh, but as of right now in the U.S., it's listed as triple platinum. Uh, oh, one of, the, one of the least selling Beatles albums, huh? I would I would imagine. <laughs> imagine. Uh, again, dude, it's the Beatles. It's, it's still fucking amazing. So uh, I'm, I'm glad you picked it, you know? Uh, it's one of my favorites, too, man. It is one of my favorite albums, one of my favorite Beatles albums. Now, would I, would I take this over Abbey Road? No fucking way. I, I, I wouldn't either. If I said that earlier, I was full of shit. But I think it's up there with it. Yeah, I mean, they're both... But, but it's almost like a tale of two different bands, too. I mean, totally different styles. All right, well, now it's time for my pick of the week. And, you know, since we're talking about the Beatles, uh, of course you know what I'm going to pick. And that's the third album from Wasp, Inside the Electric Circus, which a lot of people, you know... Like, oh, this was the end of Wasp. You know, they almost look at it like uh, Motley Crue's Theater of Pain. Like, oh, two great albums and then this shit. And while I agree it's not the first two, sentimental reasons, man. This was my first Wasp album. And I love it. I love it. I, You know, their cover of I Don't Need No Doctor. The title track, 95 Nasty. Uh, their cover of Easy Living by Uriah Heep. Shoot from the hip, Mantronic. Mantronic. I, I forgot about that one. I love Mantronic. Uh, Mantronic. Mantronic. What did you say after that? It's like Mantronic, man on the loose, or some shit like that, right? Yeah. Is it again? Uh, I don't know. I, I I'm too drunk to look at the lyrics. But uh, <laughs> but I, I love this album. It was a special. I mean, '86 was the year I came into metal, like full blast. And it has nostalgic reasons. Is it their best album? No. Do I enjoy it? You bet your fucking ass. I really do. I put this on and I'm entertained from the first song through the last. I also love, uh, if you get it now, there's bonus tracks. Then I love all the bonus tracks as well. 
Name the bonus tracks. Uh, I, I own it. I own it, by the way. Uh, Flesh and Fire. Oh, and my favorite. Great song. Flesh and Fire. Great song. I have that on, on, on vinyl. And my favorite uh, Wasp B-side is Douchebag Blues. Which was... Oh, yeah. The little acoustic. Yeah, thing. which was previously only on their home video, Wasp. Yeah. Videos in, in the Raw. Yeah, video, in the raw. videos in the Raw. And, uh, oh, what a great song. It, it, it's just funny. It's, it's just them fucking around. But uh, I, I really do like this album. You know, blo- it has it has like shoot from the hip live, don't it, and shit like that. No, no, it doesn't. Uh, shoot, shoot from the hip live is a bonus track on Live in the Raw. Okay, okay. Because I got all those Wasp remasters yeah. with the bonus track. So I have them all. So do I. I was so disappointed when I bought the uh, the Crimson Idol remaster, and I was hoping it was going to come with a good album, but it didn't. Uh, nah, dude, some of those B-sides are great. Like, wasn't uh, Locomotive Breath uh, that, a B-side that, from that was, Crimson Idol? No, that was on uh, Headless Cross. Man, that's a great version. Oh, yeah, and I, I love uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls. I, I like the B-side. That was on uh, Head, yeah, that was uh, Headless on Cross. Cross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, no, they had a lot of good B-sides. Um, Paint It Black. I'm not... Painted Black's my favorite one out of all of them. That's my favorite B-side, but... Uh, I love... I'm a big, huge fan of the first Wasp album. I think that's the album I played the most right. when it first came out. I mean, probably my favorite album of that year. Well, the 84, too. And 84, right. a lot of great albums. But I think that was the best album. Yeah, oh, I put it above oh, Van Halen. Oh, I, I, I'm not going to argue with you as far as that being their best album. And I love... You know, of course, I we, we did a review on last... Uh, the Last Command, and I love it more than you. But uh, to me, Wasp, the first album through Headless Cross is perfect. Uh, Crimson Idol on, very spotty. That 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 one album that Blackie left and Tony Martin sang is that the one you're talking about? <laughs> oh God! Uh. Now you see, the thing is that that first Wasp album was just too good. Yeah. And I felt like Last Command was a letdown. Where it still had great tracks with Widowmaker, Ball Crusher, Blind in Texas, uh, Wild Child. You know, I, I, there's some good tracks on there, but, you know, it did have filler for me. Inside Electric Circus was weak. And then Headless Cross was awesome. But to go back to Inside Electric Circus, I will tell you the song I really love, and you didn't mention it. And there's no way Blackie would sing it live. Rest, now. Restless Gypsy? Oh, I love that song. But no, not that one. I'm Alive. Yeah, I love I'm Alive. Damn you, holy man alive. It's a song, and it's an anti-preacher song. It's an anti-religion song. It's Blackie being what he's not right now. And it's a great, great song. I think it's the best song on that fucking album. That is a, and, it is uh, a great song. I'm, I have two picks of the week from the same artist. Oh, okay. Uh, two albums back-to-back that he released that I feel like are so underrated. And this is like incredible albums. And I recently got them both on vinyl. And that's King Diamond's The Spider Lullaby and The Graveyard. Um, I think these two albums are criminally underrated. And I can't pick, I can't tell you which one I like more. I can tell you Spider's Lullaby is heavier. It's a real heavy album and it's great and it's awesome. But fucking Graveyard? Let me tell you something, man. One thing about King Diamond that nobody can deny if you're into King Diamond, the guy is a fucking genius when it comes to hard stuff. 
He writes genius horror stories. And it would be great if somebody was to make something into a movie, you know? I, and I think, like, the good per first pick would be them, because that story is just, you know, them and conspiracy is just so demented. You know, Abigail, too, to an extent, but The Graveyard, bro. To me, The Graveyard is the most fucked up story he ever wrote. You guys, check out, you know, and the beauty of King Diamond albums, which I do every time one comes out, is I kick back with the lyrics, listen to music, and read it, like if I'm reading a book. But The Graveyard deals with child molestation and uh, revenge and murder. Of a it's just a real fucked up story that, uh, you know, if you guys want to get something interested, just listen to that. And Spider's Lullaby, which I don't believe Spider Lullaby is a complete. Yeah, half of it is and half is. Yeah, kind of like uh, the portrait, uh, yeah. Fatal yeah. Portrait. Alright, well now we got to get into Fan of the Week. And uh, Fan of the Week this time is a young lad from Alabama, Devin Duggan. And uh, Alright, yeah, I know him, he's cool. Yeah, yeah, he's cool, but I'm going to tell you this, Devin. All the questions you have me, put them into one message. <laughs> Devin sends me about 75 messages a day. So there you go. All right, Devin, you are our fan of the week. Thank you very much. Let's do our little plugs. But, uh, yeah, let's talk about all these uh, podcasts we love. Desmo Geek, Mars Attacks, History Science Theater, Barbarian Rage, uh, The Kiss Room, Podkiss, all shit we love. Ironcast. Iron Ca oh I'm, God I feel like a fucking dick. Iron Cast. You're drunk, dude. It's acceptable. Yeah, I forget. That's why I want to have pre-recorded so I never forget anybody. The Terrence and Mark experience. Oh God. Uh, how about a good show? The the Rock Show with Gully and Joe. The Facebook page, man. If you're not on there, why not? And a lot of you are joining. Oh my God. The last month, I've had so many people join the Facebook page and follow us on Podbean. Uh, you know, for a while I was where I was, I was, you know, Ralph doesn't give a fuck about the numbers. I kind of, I kind of half-ass care. And I saw the Podbean numbers going down, but the other numbers were going up. Like people were like checking out the show, but you're just, you're using iTunes or you're using another format to get the show. But man, so many people have joined the, 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 have followed us on Podbean. We've got over 130 followers just on Podbean. Uh... You know, and, and everybody check us out on iTunes, man. Keep those reviews coming. I love reading those. Uh, you know, the good, the good, the bad, the ugly, man. I'll read them all. And we appreciate you taking the time and doing shit like that to help the show. Uh, and uh, if you do go on the Podbean page, man, there's so many links there. Links to Thrash or Die, to Combat, to ThatMetalStation.com, to hopefully our functional Amazon link, to our YouTube page. All right, well, if you love this totally off-the-wall show, and we know you did... Hey, you didn't cut my radio show, man. Oh, you got a radio show? Yeah. <laughs> I sure do. On that oh. metal station, it's the Dr. Fuck Show. It airs on Thursday nights at uh, 8 p.m. Us I'm usually there live, and then they repeat it on Sunday at 1 p.m., and... Just to let you know, our podcast, the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, airs 
right before my show, which means 6 p.m. Eastern on Thursday and 11 a.m. Eastern on Sunday. You can hear this podcast on that metal station. And please check out Alt Metal Mike, uh, DJ Guilty, DJ Randy. There's a lot of great stuff on that metal station. And if you're listening to it as we first aired it, there's another big box of metal giveaway. Go on that metalstation.com. All you got to do is write your name and your email, and you can win this big box of metal. All right. Well, if you enjoyed our Beatles episode, and we know you did, come back next week when our special guest is Republican candidate Ben Carson is going to join us in the studio to talk about Sleep's Dope Smoker. All right. By the way, I don't think your mom uh, enjoyed this episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just like she didn't enjoy you. Sorry, honey bunny. Snooky wookie wookie tookie. That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Get me some Wawa, bitch. Nice. Oh, she's going to hate that. <laughs> <laughs>